Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. You know, I want to uh, share just a little bit of a, a story with you here this morning that I thought was kind of cute. I was reading, I was studying on this conquering the spirit of fear, and I've got some specific things I need to share with you this morning about it. But I just want to start out with a little story. One summer night, during a severe thunderstorm, this mother was tucking in her son. And he looked at his mama and he said, Mama, can you lay down here with me? I'm afraid. I'm scared. Can you sleep with me tonight? She said, well, son, I can't do that. And he said, how come? She said, I have to go sleep with your dad. He waited for a few minutes, and then he finally said, the big sissy. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor joke. Listen, I know this is cute. That's a cute story. But fear is not. Fear is not cute, is it? It's not funny, it's not a joke, it's real. The Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7 that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what fear is and what fear is not. Obviously we'll just touch on a few of those things. We're going to talk about some of the things that cause fear and how to conquer it. And we're going to talk about how to help someone maybe in our life that's struggling with fear to try to overcome that spirit of fear. Now, the definition of fear in the Merriam-Webster's is a painful emotion or passion excited by an expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18 that fear has torment. The goal of fear is to torment you. Look at your neighbor and say the goal of fear is to torment you. Now, I think it's very important to kind of draw a little line in the sand here and talk about a few things because I want us to understand that in the very beginning here, that when I'm talking about the spirit of fear, fear is not being afraid. There's a difference in the spirit of fear and, and being afraid occasionally. You see, being afraid is the natural mechanism that God has put inside of every one of us that helps us ward off danger. What is unnatural is to experience a prolonged season of being afraid because if we don't watch it then then that being afraid can transition into the listen to me spirit of fear now let me say this also to help us better understand this okay it is natural when we lose a loved one to grieve there are five grief cycles and you go through those cycles and it's natural for us to grieve And to tell someone, oh, just let the Lord heal you and all that kind of stuff is really doing them a disservice. The grieving process is part of the mending process that happens when someone passes away. But three years down the road, if that person is still in that cycle, then the spirit of fear has gotten a hold of them. I mean, the spirit of grief has gotten a hold of them. Now, let's talk about another one to help help us understand. 
Sometimes when people say things or do things, sometimes if we don't watch it, there'll be an offense just jump up inside of us. Now, the only offense that is effective is the offense that is taken. So we have the responsibility to say, I'm not going to take that offense. I'm just going to decline it, okay? Now, if you don't watch it and you go ahead and take the offense, then the spirit of offense will get a hold of you. And it doesn't matter what that person says. It doesn't matter what that person does. You will think they're targeting you. That's how you know that it's the spirit of offense. So it's natural to be afraid. It's unnatural to allow the spirit of fear to get a hold of you. It's natural to grieve, and we need to grieve. It's unnatural to allow the spirit of grief to get a hold of us. It's natural to respond to injustice, but it's unnatural to allow the spirit of offense to take over us. And so I thought I would share those three different things because I think it helps us better understand that what we're talking about here today is not being afraid and we're not, we're not talking about things like that. We're talking about the spirit of fear. When the spirit of fear comes upon you to the point where you can no longer really live your life. You go to bed, you, go, you try to go to sleep, and you can't go to sleep because you're afraid someone's going to break in. There's all kinds of different things that, that causes fear. So we're talking about how to overcome or conquer that spirit of fear so we can live again. Now let's talk a little bit about the natural progression of fear. Fear begins with a thought. Sometimes that thought is abrupt and sometimes it's natural. You go to the doctor, the doctor gives you a not-so-good bill of health, and all of a sudden, fear jumps in there and says, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. That thought comes to you. When the doctor looks at you and says, you have this disease, the very first thing that the devil's going to try to tell you is, you're going to die from that. Now, you have the responsibility to embrace that thought or to decline that thought. And sometimes the devil will hit repeat over and over and over and over. He'll hit repeat. And he'll tell you that over and over and over. And that's when that, thought, that gradual thought develops into the spirit of fear. So fear always begins with the thought. You know, you're going to go broke. You're going to live broke the rest of your life. You know, you have a financial challenge. This is it. It's over. You're going to be eating mac and cheese for the rest of your life, or Roman noodles and peanut butter sandwiches, which there's not a whole lot wrong with that. That's pretty good. But, but anyways, the enemy will do that, won't he? He'll, he'll start trying to build that stuff inside of us, and if we don't watch it, we'll surrender our thought life over to things like that, and that will develop into a spirit of fear. So fear begins with a thought. Fear transitions to dread. So that's a different level, isn't it? Dread. Now, dread feeds anguish. There comes a time if we give ourselves over to this spirit of fear. Now, I want you to hold in your mind our scripture this morning that God has not given us the spirit of fear. The Bible didn't say God hasn't given us fear. The Bible said God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. So fear trans, uh, transitions over to dread, and dread will feed anguish. It's no fun to live in fear. In fact, it becomes anguish sometimes. Boy, I'm telling you what, the Lord's just reading your mail this morning. I can see it all over your faces. Some of you guys have been dealing with this, haven't you? Wow, this is why God wanted me to minister this this morning. 
In fact, some of you are right there right now. You've got that anguish, that twisting going on inside of you. You don't get up in the morning. You go to bed at night and you don't really look forward to getting up the next morning. Oh, you want to wake up. You're not suicidal, but it's like, well, if I get up in the morning, I just got to go do the same old thing that I did today. And, you know, and, and maybe you've got some appointments that, you know, to go see the doctor or go see your banker or, go see, or maybe a broken relationship with a friendship or a relative. And, you know, you're going to have to talk with, to, to those people. And if you don't watch it, that anguish just starts to develop. And, and you start to replay what could happen inside of you over and over and over and over. And that can develop into anguish. And if you don't watch it, you end up in fear. So fear begins with a thought. Fear transitions to dread. Dread transitions to terror, and terror takes over your soul, which is your mind and your will and your emotions. And so now you're going all day long every day thinking about these bad things that are happening to you, the things that you're worried about, the things that you're fearful of, the things that you're afraid of, and you're living in terror. And you're living in chaos. You see, sometimes in life's transitions, this happens to us, doesn't it? You see, many times I say, it's not the rooms that gets us, it's the hallways. Because when God transitions us from one place to another in our life, sometimes we get over in the hallway and there'll be different doors that open. And if we don't watch it, we can go through the wrong door. If we don't watch it, we can come out of a room that we should have stayed in. If we don't watch it, we can hang around in the hallway the rest of our life just going in circles, trying to figure out what God wants us to do and where God wants us and what God wants, what God wants us to be involved in if we don't watch that. And so this, this can be terrifying, can it? It can be terrifying. And then terror transitions to fright, and that fright says things like this, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to die. Dear God, I'm going to die. What in the world? Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And, you know, there are people that actually die from fright. So this is the enemy working against you to try to steal your peace, to try to steal your joy, to try to steal everything that God has planned for you and the weapon that he's using is the spirit of fear. What about just, let's just blow that cover today. Let's just talk about how to conquer one of the enemy's chief weapons today. Let's talk about how to conquer fear. Now, let's, first of all, in order to conquer fear, we need to know what causes fear, right? Now, the Bible does tell, tell us that perfect love casts out fear. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But just, just to give you a little teaser on that, Perfect love is love that is always maturing. Always maturing. What causes fear? There are many things that cause fear. Impending threats cause fear. Being alone, especially after the loss of divorce or the loss of a loved one or some other kind of loss, that, that tends to bring fear into our life. Life changes. Phobias. But spiders, how many like spiders? I don't like spiders. I don't like spiders at all. You know, I mean, some people are afraid of spiders. Some people are afraid of frogs. There's this real fancy word, arachibuterophobia. You know what that is? 
It's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. There's a word for that. There's a word for that. And if you want to have some fun over lunch, just go to phobialist.com and there's a dozens and dozens and dozens of them. But, uh, but, but that's what it is. And there's a lot of people, there's all kinds of things that cause fear. Rejection causes fear, doesn't it? Well, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. I know I'm not supposed to be with this person, but if I get rid of that person, then I'm just going to be alone. I'm not going to have a wife for the rest of my life, or I'm not going to have a husband for the rest of my life, and I don't want to be an old man, and I don't want a maid, and I don't want to be an old miser. I'm just, so I, I'm afraid, you know, I, that, that I'll be rejected. And so that causes fear, fear of the unknown. Sometimes when we have to step out in faith and we don't know what's going to happen next and we have to step out of it. Listen, if we had all the answers, what would be the purpose in walking by faith? What does the Bible say? The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Shout it. Shout it. There we go. The just shall live by faith. So sometimes we have the fear of the unknown. Now let me say this. When we walk by faith, the Bible said we walk by faith and not by sight. Fear is faith. It's just faith. You have more confidence in what your circumstances are saying and what the enemy is saying than what God says about your circumstances. So fear is a contaminated form of faith. What if? You know, sometimes, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. What if we just got so excited because I know God's getting ready to do this? Ooh. <laughs> Come on, fear. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. God's going to do this. We have that choice, right? We have that choice. We get really shook up when fear comes in. But when we start operating by faith, what if we got as excited about walking by faith as we were afraid when we walked in fear? Think about that. So fear of the unknown. Pain causes fear. Failure causes fear. Losing causes fear. I just can't do that again. I can't try it again. I just, I can't do it again because every time I try, I fail. Every time I try, I lose. I, I'm just, I can't do that again. Yes, you can. Listen, you cannot whip a person that keeps getting back up. You might get knocked down to the mat over and over and over, but I want to encourage you to stand up again today, dust yourself off, and say, I'm not going forward in fear. I'm going to go forward in faith. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor that. Forward in faith. Tell them. So the enemy of your soul will try to to create fear. So let's talk about conquering fear. Okay, we can go now, Steve, to the next slide. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love. Why is there no fear in love? Because God is love and there is no fear in God. So there is no fear in love. And then it says, because fear has torment. The work of the enemy against you is, try to make, is to try to make you live in torment. 
And we got to make up our mind. I'm not living in torment. I'm living in love. Listen, I've been around the block a time or two. Just like you. There are people that love us and there are people that hate us. I have learned you can't please everybody. So focus on those that celebrate you and not on those that tolerate you. Shout now. Not going to be tormented. Not going to lose sleep. Going to stay in love. Some of y'all have went through serious situations in your life like divorce. And you're not even married to your ex anymore. And they still control your thought life. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching and preaching good this morning. This will break some things off of you. You're going through your life thinking about what they did to you and how wrong it was, and not all of you, but some of you. You're going through your life thinking about how wrong it was and all of this kind of stuff, and what you're doing is you are literally allowing them to control the life that you live today, your joy, your peace, your love, and you know what they're doing? They're down somewhere eating a hamburger. (laughs) Going on with their life. Don't let your past torment you. Now let's talk about something else. Maybe you've been in business. Maybe you had a failure in your business. Don't let that failure stop you from moving forward. Don't allow your history to rob you of your destiny. Go forward in faith. Go forward trusting God and believing God. Don't let the enemy torment you over a failure that you had. Sometimes what we see as a failure, God sees as an opportunity. Are you righteous? Of course you are. The day that you gave your life to Christ, the Bible said that you were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's absolutely nothing we can do to attain our own righteousness. The Bible said it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saved us. So we cannot attain righteousness on our own. We are totally and completely dependent upon the Lord for our righteous standing with God. So when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that's the only activity that you had to do in order for God to make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now listen to me. Here's what the Word of God says. The steps of a good man, and that could have been translated a righteous man, are ordered by the Lord and God delights in His way. So if I'm righteous before the Lord and God loves me and God knows my end from my beginning, then what am I doing allowing myself to be tormented by what I interpret as failures in my past when in reality sometimes God had to deliver me from that situation so He could open up a path that I didn't know ever existed. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be prosperous. But more than all of that, God wants you to be at peace. God wants you to live in peace. God wants me to live. God wants us all to live in peace. The only way that we can do that is to cast this fear out of our life. 
perfect love, cast out fear, always maturing love, love that is constantly growing. The minute that your love stops growing is the minute that your love stops maturing and opens the door for the spirit of fear to come into your life and start wreaking havoc and take away everything that God has given you. How do I know when my love has started growing? When you give yourself over to offense? When you give yourself over to hatred? When you give yourself over to gossiping and backbiting? And so it's important for us to not open that door. Conquering fear has everything to do with allowing love to be perfected inside of us. And the only way it will ever be perfected, the only way that we can conquer fear is to allow God's love to continue to grow inside of us. Now, let's go back to verse number 7 here. I want to go through this. 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse number 7. Beloved, somebody say, that's me. Let us, somebody say, there I am again. Come on, we're talking about us, aren't we? Let us, beloved, let us love one another. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Come on. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now... Just in case there was any question about what he was saying, he goes on in verse number 8 to clarify just a little more. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You are never more like Satan than when you are in hatred. And you are never more like God than when you are in love. Because God is love. It's the very essence of who God is. For God so loved, so loved. Oh my goodness. For God so loved the passion of God's heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Why did He do that? Because the essence of who God is, is love. That's why the Bible said, love your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. If you develop enemies and you don't love them, or if someone develops himself into an enemy against you and you don't love your enemy, then you're opening your door to fear. You're opening your life to fear. And fear brings dread. And dread brings terror. And terror brings fright. And that's all tormenting. 
But if we love our enemies, then we shut the door on what the enemy can do. We shut the door on the activity of, the, of what the enemy can do in our life. I made, my life a long time, I made up my mind a long time ago in my life that I'm just going to live forgiving. I draw a line in the sand. I say from this day forward, doesn't matter what people say or do to me, I forgive. I forgive. And I'm not going to let someone else stop what God is doing for me and inside of me. Because what God does inside of me affects you. And I'm not going to let God not work inside of you because I want to get all, you know. So I just choose to forgive. Now there's a difference between forgiveness and pardon. Selah. There's a difference between forgiveness and pardon. Just because you forgive someone who has wronged you doesn't mean that you have to let them back in your life so they can do it again. But you got to forgive them. We're called to forgive, but we're not called to let them off the hook. So that's why we set up boundaries. We set those boundaries up. And so when you walk in forgiveness and you set up the boundary, then what happens is... You can stay in love, spiritual love, with that person because you're not allowing them access back into your life to wreak havoc again to get you all twisted back up again. So there's nothing wrong with setting boundaries. So we set those boundaries and by doing that we stay in love and that keeps the door shut on the work of the enemy as he tries to work inside of our life. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. Look at verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Verse 10, Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins or the stand-in for our sins. Verse number 11, Beloved, somebody say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Come on. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Boom. Come on, boom. Come on, say, 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 wow, boom, boom. There we go. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So basically, here's what he's saying. If I can love the world so much that I will send my son to die the death of a martyr so that you could live in freedom and be free, if I can love the world that much, then why can't you just love one another? If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, no man's seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and His love is perfected in us. That means that His love continues to grow. Now, let me just say this. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I have to shoot it straight, right? There are some people that's going to come along in your life that you're not going to be able to love by yourself. You're going to need the help of God. Because there are some people that are just too twisted. Come on. Come on. Come on. And sometimes we just need God to help us, okay? So no man's seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Look at this, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Here we go again. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. The key to that verse is the word dwelleth. That means setting up continual residence. So he that dwelleth in God dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. How is our love made perfect? Through the dwelling. Through the dwelling. Herein is our love made perfect. If I let God dwell in me and I dwell in Him, then His love is perfected in me, which means it is ever growing. It is constantly working. So here's what the Bible says. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. God in Him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. What do we need boldness for? To stay in love. Boldness in the day of judgment. We need boldness to stand in love. So when the enemy wars against you, God said, if you stay in me and I stay in you and we dwell in one another, then I'll give you the boldness to stand when judgments are pushed against you. It all starts with a decision. I'm going to live in forgiveness. I'm going to stay in love. I want God to live in me. I want to live in God. I want to kill fear. I want to assassinate fear. I'm going to destroy fear. I'm going to shut the door on fear. How are you going to do it? By allowing God's perfected love to live big in me. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's continue on here. All right. There's no fear in love. What? There is no fear in love. Come on, somebody say no. No. Say no, 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 no. Come on, say no. Absolutely no, none, zilch, absolutely none. There is absolutely no fear whatsoever in love. Why? Perfect love, love that is constantly maturing, cast out fear. Doesn't just shut the door, it opens the door and casts it out of your life and then slams the door behind it and says, no fear here. No fear here. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment and I can almost hear God saying, I don't want my kids living in torment. I don't want them living in torment. I don't want them living in an unlovable lifestyle. I don't want them living in an unforgiving lifestyle. I don't want them living in fear. I don't want them living in terror. I don't want them dreading their life. I don't want them to be twisted up in anguish. There is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear because fear hath torment. And then here's what the Bible said. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. In other words, he that has fear in his life 
then the love of God that is inside of them is no longer growth. So the way that we conquer fear, we don't say, I bind you in the name of Jesus, get out of here. No. The way that we conquer fear and live free from it is by growing in love. And what happens is you get so full of the love of God that you just crowd out fear. The love of God becomes so powerful, it becomes so strong, it becomes so violent against the enemy of fear. It comes, becomes so violent against that spirit that that spirit, it doesn't just flee, it gets cast out of your life. How many of you would like to sleep good tonight? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? How many of you would like to quit worrying about those things that the enemy is constantly putting on you, telling you, I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to... Listen, Satan has come to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the only way we can have that abundant life is to have the life of God inside of us. And God is love. And if God is love and the life of God is inside of us, then that means we're full of love. So if he come to give us life and life more abundantly, that means that through faith and through love, we have the victory. Come on, tell your neighbor, you have the victory. You have the victory. Now, I want to get through this because I've got one more thing I want to get, get to here. Is this helping you? Amen. You feel like you're growing? Yeah. Yeah. Woo, good, 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 good. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And then verse number 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. The Bible calls Jesus the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. He was the only begotten Son of God. Now we are sons of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We love him because he first loved us. I love him because he extended his love towards me. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. You say, ooh, that's strong words. That's the Bible, honey. That's the Bible. This is what the Bible says. If a man says, well, I love God, and then in the next breath they start trashing somebody. The Word of God says, liar, liar, pants on fire. Let me take it a little bit farther because it's the word. I got to teach you right. I don't want to stand before God one day and God look at me and say, how come you didn't teach him? Here's what the Bible says. If you say, I love God and you hate your brother, then the Bible says you're a liar. And Revelation 21.8 says, all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Which is, so you lie, you fry. It's a word. It's what the Bible says. It's what the Bible says. So here's what the Bible says, okay? If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Somebody looked at me one day and they said, well, anyone that does what they did to me is no brother of mine. And so they tried to use that. And I just looked at them and said, the Bible said we're supposed to love the lost too, doesn't it? So there's no excuse to not walk in love. So when the enemy attacks you, he's going to attack your love walk. 
where he's going to attack you. That's where he's going to attack, attack you. Faith works by love. And the enemy wants to shut down your faith. Now, our passage of Scripture that we started with today is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Here's what the Bible said. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we all understand that we are talking about the spirit of fear. That spirit, the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is the work of the enemy, and it comes through, through Satan and sometimes other people. It does. It does. Satan works through intimidation and offense. And the Bible said the work to give no place to these things in our life. So God's not given us the spirit of fear. But then you go on there in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. And the Bible said God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power. Or you could have said, but he's given us the spirit of power. So he's not given us the spirit of fear but he's given us the spirit of power. And what spirit is that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's why we live the Spirit-led life. And so, so if you want to help other people overcome the spirit of fear in their life, then it's time to go to war. It's time to go to war against that spirit of fear. It's time to go to war against the enemy that rages and wages war against our soul. It's time to do that. And how do we do that? We do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse number 10 through verse number 18. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against him in the evil, evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he goes on through the armor of God. And then in the end he said, Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication unto all saints. Here's what the Bible is saying. Suit up. Go to war. Go to war. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but he's giving you the spirit of power. And then the Bible said that He's given you the spirit of love. Love is your weapon. It's your weapon of choice against the spirit of fear. Love is your weapon of choice. So suit up. Realize that you're not fighting a person. You're fighting a spirit. So many times people, well, can you believe what they did to me? Can you believe what they said to me? It wasn't them, honey. It wasn't them. It's a spiritual force that they're under the control of. That the enemy has dispatched against you and dispatched against those that you love. So suit up. Put on the armor of God. Live in the Spirit. Walk in the power of the Spirit. And pick up God's love and use that as your weapon of choice. How do I use it? Through the Word. Words are your weapon. Make sure they're the words of God. Make sure they're the words of life. Speak scripture over your situation. Why? Because the word will work. If you work the word, but you got to work it in order for it to work. 
So we, by the Spirit, we speak out the words of God and we speak out against the enemy. So God's not given us the spirit of fear, but He's given us the spirit of power. And He's given us the spirit of love. In Psalms 23, the Bible said He'll, he'll, he'll spread a table before you in the presence of your enemies. What are you going to do? Look at it? Not me, honey. If there's fried chicken, I'm sitting down there and eating. It's just, just the way it is. It's just the way it is. He'll spread a table before you in the presence of my enemies. You don't have to be my friend in order for me to eat with you. Because my relationship at that point ain't with you, it's with the plate, honey. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Live to fight another day. Hallelujah. He set a table for you. I'm kidding, you know. He set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then the Bible says that he's given us a sound mind. Let me say this to you. The devil will try like heck to drive you crazy. He will. He'll try to drive you crazy. He'll blind you from the truth. He'll make you think people think things that aren't true. He'll make you think that people are saying things that's never even went inside of their mind. He will. He will. The enemy will do that. And he will for sure try to drive you crazy. You just look at him and say, I'm not crazy. You're defeated in the name of Jesus, and you stay in love. God has given us a sound mind. The Bible said in Isaiah 26 and verse number 33, I was quoting this to myself last night when I was going to sleep. Here's what the Bible says. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. When that spirit of torment comes against your mind, you just start quoting Isaiah 26 and 3. I'm living in perfect peace. Your word says you would keep me in perfect peace if my mind stays on you. So Lord, I'm not going to focus on the battle and I'm not going to focus on the torment and I'm not going to focus on all of these things that the enemy is trying to put against me. Lord, I'm just going to think about you. I'm going to meditate on you. I'm going to trust you. There are times in my life as a pastor, there are times when I just have to drive down the road and shift my focus. Sometimes I've thought, you know, just trying to think about the Lord, just trying to be on There are times when the enemy just wars and wars and wars and wars and wars. And there are literally times I thought, I wonder when Jesus was laying in that boat, I wonder if he had a pillow or not. <laughs> what are you doing? Shifting focus. Trying to keep, you say, that just sounds crazy and does it really matter? Well, it matters to me in that moment because I'm trying to change my focus. I'm trying to keep my mind upon the Lord. See, here's the thing. The enemy finds out what works on you and that's what he uses every time he wants to attack you. It's patterns. Patterns of behavior by the enemy. And if it worked the last time, and the time before that, and the time before that, guess how he's going to attack you this time? Same way. So what we do is we say, no more. No more, no more, no more, no more. Lord, I'm keeping my mind upon you. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. You can knock fear completely out of your life. Now, I'm not going to read it today because we don't have time. But I want to encourage you, sometime this week, write this scripture down 
And we're talking about, here's what the Bible said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee and God has not given us a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So God's given us a sound mind. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16 is the scripture where the Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16 is a great series of verses that can help you to bring your mind back in to sync with the Word of God. It teaches you how to think. It teaches you how to think. There's a lot of other scriptures in the Bible about that. But this is a good place. I want you to know this morning that God has given you a sound mind. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not crazy, honey. You're not crazy. Not crazy. That's the best news some of you have gotten all day long, isn't it? Come on, let's stand, church. I love you so much. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.